0: You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast, your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, joining me on Getting Swamped once again, Brandon Olson from the Locked On Gators Network, your team every day. I got it right this time. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, man, crazy weekend here in recruiting. Didn't go the way that we wanted it to. We'll talk about that here in a second. But Florida facing off against Georgia in Jacksonville, and also that game didn't go the way that we wanted to, but went the way that we certainly predicted it. I predicted 42-24. to 24. They lost 42-20. to 20. Florida making a valiant effort there in the third quarter, but just dug themselves too far in a hole, couldn't get it out of it, and uh, unfortunately... Talent takes over here for Georgia Bulldogs, and they win the football game. Stetson Bennett was 50% throwing the ball. He was 19 for 38 for 316 yards. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. The defense also had one forced fumble, which was actually really good. They got third down stops this game as well, too. Uh, Georgia was 6 for 12 on third downs. Florida never turned over the ball one time. Hats off to Anthony Richardson for that. Richardson threw for 271. Florida as a team rushed for a hundred yards, and Florida still <laughs> lost the football game by twenty-two. And Brandon, I said it on Twitter: "This is why you recruit at an elite level." Am I not wrong? You are exactly right. <laughs>
1: you, you are exactly right. It's like, and they even showed the graphic during the game. It was like, yeah, this is a game where in the past five years, Georgia's brought in what twenty-five five stars, yeah. and Florida has two. And it's like, yeah, no duh. Like the expectation was Georgia would win this game handedly. However, I will say 42-20 final score, which means Florida yet again covered. Every time they've been underdogs this year, they have covered the spread. Barely this time, but they've covered the spread.
0: Uh, yeah, the beginning of that game was very horrible looking, and uh, I, I remiss to say that uh, I, I do not want to watch the first half ever again. I probably don't even watch the second half, but I'll watch the third quarter because that's <laughs> where most of the magic happened for Florida here. And, and I said it last week, too. I remember talking to Zach Goodall. I said, Bennett is terrible under pressure, or when he is blitzed. I don't know why it took Florida so long to figure that out, especially if you watch the Missouri film. Uh, Stetson Bennett's stats this game when he was blitzed under pressure. He was 4 for 10, 40 yards, one interception, 0 for 5 for 0 yards when under pressure. So 40 yards, one pick. We saw this, as I said, in the Missouri game. I just don't understand why it took Florida and the defensive coordinator so long to start doing that. Because once they started blitzing Bennett, he was starting to have trouble. And Florida, he was starting to turn over the ball. Florida, you know, makes that almost miraculous comeback there. Gets gets the pick from Amari Burney, who's actually played really well this season. And I know he got a lot of flack uh, at the beginning of the season. But Amari Burney, some of the best stats on the team, four sacks, two interceptions. Uh, he's only missing like 11% of his tackles you kind of got to give your hats off to Amari Bernie. I know he had that one pass that went to Bowers that bounced off his helmet. You can't really blame him for that. I guess he never really turned around. It was kind of one of those just fluke plays. Should have been incomplete. Most of the time that is incomplete. Just happened to bounce off his head, land into Bowers' hands for a touchdown. That's just kind of the luck that we've had this year, haven't we?
1: Yeah, that, that's about... <laughs> that about sums up the Florida Gators in 2022. Yeah. Uh, Amari Bernie is someone where you said like he, he caught some flack. I relentlessly roasted this man uh during the offseason. I was just like, I don't want to see him on the field. And this year he's been one of the better defenders on this Florida yeah. Gators roster. Like like he has made significant strides this season.
0: Yeah, he has. And you go you look at that Utah game and 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 Dave brought it up. Uh David Waters brought this up too. Any linebacker or any defender is going to have trouble against those two tight ends at Utah. They're just that good. I mean, they're that good, and and they're hard to defend for anybody, and, and they'll probably go really high in the draft. So, you take it away from that Utah game. And after that, he's been pretty productive. And I'll say this too. Trey Dean's gotten a lot of flack this year. He played well in the game. Now Florida's defense wasn't perfect. They still gave up 555 as total offense. They gave up over 200 yards rushing and over 300 yards passing. We expected that anyway, because Florida's defense hasn't been that great, but they did cause turnovers. And I'll say this, this whole year, if there's something on this defense, that's good. The turnover rate for this defense is, is phenomenal. Like right now, Florida has eight interceptions and I think five forced fumbles. And that's pretty almost on par with 2020 and 2021. And they still got four games left. And you look at those statistics and you're like, well, you could probably beat both years defensively turning over the football in 2020, 2021, which is an improvement. I will say that, but man, it's Florida defense. They've got a long way to go still. Um, We'll see what happens. And uh, I, I noticed that when they were playing a lot more press, man, Worked a lot better, didn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, which is something that pretty much every Gators fan was pounding the table for to see more press man. Uh, We all know that that's kind of what Jason Marshall is best at. Uh, I don't want to say he's not good at, you know, I'm not going to be that Twitter argument of he's not good at cover three, Um, but it's not using him the best, having cover three, having him in that press man style is obviously better for him. Forcing turnovers is something where. In the first press conference of Patrick Tony and Billy Napier's tenure, Patrick Tony was like, Hey, we want to force turnovers. Like that's something that this team hasn't done well, or this university hasn't done well for a few years. That's gonna change. Like, like we are going to be much more aggressive, breaking on the ball, punching the ball out. And they've proven that. Like that, like this defense has had its ups and downs, and it's had a lot of downs this year. We all know that. Uh, But one thing is that they've definitely come in and they've improved one of the biggest areas they said they needed to improve, getting the ball back for this offense.
0: Yeah, and if you look at just turnover margin, they've improved their turnover margin just these past two games because Anthony Richardson hasn't turned over the football. Uh, So that's a good thing. Anthony Richardson's being more careful with it, and, and I get that, and he didn't, and as I said, he didn't force any, like, tight throws or try to force a throw or anything like that against this Georgia defense, which is really good because that's why he was throwing picks all the time. But if you take just take away some of the picks from Anthony Richardson, say he threw like four instead of eight, I mean, the turnover margin for this team would probably be in the top 20 if not even more, the way that this football team has turned over the ball. So I don't want to concentrate too much on the Georgia game. We all know how it went down. It was uh, it, it was basically what we thought it was going to be. Um, I know we lost. It wasn't pretty, but I'll say this. This team, especially if you compare them to last year and the year before, they didn't lie down. They did what they had to do coming out of halftime. They didn't give up. But what are your final thoughts for this team moving forward? Uh, I think
1: it's about seeing how this team finishes because while we all knew for a little bit that Florida was not going to make the SEC championship, losing to Georgia makes it impossible to even win the division at that point. You you had a chance. It was an insane chance where you would have needed Georgia and Tennessee to both have just horrible runs, but Florida completely eliminated from the divisional run now. Brighton Cox dismissed from the team and now you're, you're kind of just playing for the rest of the season you're, you're not playing for a championship anymore so now it's really with the meaningful postseason games off the table who is going to respond you're going to really find out who's still bought into this program who still bought into this team and just see how they respond to this adversity of also the biggest loss of the year for this team
0: yeah, we'll get into the biggest loss for the year for this team right now. Brenton Cox dismissed from the team. Brandon, that is uh, it's a huge blow. One of the uh the, the biggest guys in, in getting pressure. Well, I think he's number one on the team with getting pressure in the defensive line. Obviously, not I think he's number three sack wise. He wasn't the best sack artist. He couldn't he could get there but not get there. Now you got Antoine Powell, Lloyd Summerall, some of those other guys behind him. They're time to shine now, so we'll see what happens there. But Brandon, your general thoughts on the uh, Brenton Cox dismissal? I like it. Um,
1: not and it's nothing against Brenton Cox. It's just Billy Napier put it the best way possible, where he was like, I, "It was for the better health of the team." Yep. And I, I think you have to respect that, whether or not you know what happened that caused Brenton Cox to get dismissed. No matter how you feel about Brenton Cox personally. I think there comes a certain level of um, like, you you can commend Billy Napier for saying this isn't what's good for the team. So we're going to have to get rid of him. Uh, Like you mentioned, leading pressure creator for this team, if I'm not mistaken, he has 20 pressures. Second place is Javon Dexter with 14, Uh, third on the team in sacks. Amari Bernie has four. Prince Liam and Meline has three. And then Brenton Cox has two. So while he wasn't this this world beater, I think most of us can agree that, yeah, uh, Brenton Cox Jr. is the best pass rusher on this team this season. It's going to be interesting to see how he's replaced. One thing I like about Antoine Powell-Ryland stepping into the starting role over Lloyd Summerall in this case is Antoine Powell-Ryland had been used in coverage at a higher rate than Lloyd Summerall, Then Brenton Cox Jr., than uh, David Reese, who's now the third at Jack defender there. Uh, so I like that Antoine power Island kind of gives you a little bit more freedom when you want to break out those creepers that we've all spoken about with Patrick Tony, when you want to get a bit, little more creative, you can do that. And I think also one thing is Florida was at their best against Georgia when they were blitzing. A lot of college quarterbacks are bad against the blitz and are bad against and are bad against pressure. I think with Brenton Cox gone, this coaching staff knows you're probably going to have to blitz a little bit more to generate even the same amount of pressure that you were generating before. So hopefully you see a more aggressive defense, especially when we're in, you've got nothing to lose stage of the season.
0: Yeah. uh, Antoine Powell here, three quarterback contacts, three quarterback hurries. So we'll see what kind of production we get out of him going forward. And Brandon, that wasn't the only News this week, as far as players go, right now, uh, Justin Shorter is questionable for the game against Texas A&M. Keon Zipperer will be out. It was rumored that he might be out for the season. Billy Napier comes out in his press conference that says it's not a long term injury. We will see. There's not many long term left in the season though either. So <laughs> they both could be right at both ends of the spectrum here. So uh, yeah, Justin Shorter out uh, or questionable, at least questionable. Or we're gonna sue me's out and uh, Jaquavion Frazier's you know, backing him up there. Uh Brandon, um uh, what's your what's your take on that? Like uh Frasers, he he had it seems like he had a good spring game. Uh seems like he's got the ability to maybe fill in for shorter if he'd be out. Uh what's your thoughts on him real quick?
1: Yeah, uh if I'm not mistaken, Jaquavian Frazier's was the one that in the spring game just absolutely dogged. I think it was yep. Jalen Kimbers who he was matched up most against and Jalen Kimber's been pretty solid this year. So that that's at least uh Promising. I am curious to see if Justin Shorter is out. We're going to see 12 personnel this week. We know that Texas A&M's run defense, bad. Keon yes. uh, Zipper out. You got Jonathan Odom stepping into the starting tight end spot opposite Dante Sanders, which is interesting. I didn't think that would be the move. I thought it'd be Noah Keeter for more of a pass-catching style. But you've got two solid blocking tight ends now. You've got your potentially best receiver out. I'm curious to see who is that second outside receiver opposite Xavier Henderson. When you go 12 personnel this week, if it's going to be Jaquavian Frazier's or if you're going to say, Hey, Ricky Pearsall's the guy that we're going to line up outside when we have to go two t- two receivers and two tight ends, because he is the most talented. He's the next man up in terms of just pure talent. Okay. Um, we haven't seen a situation where Justin shorter hasn't been available for a game this year. So Not sure what the plan is, but I mean, I support it if it's Jaquavion Frazier's or if it's Ricky Pierce. So I think they're both very good. I think Frazier should have been playing more this year to begin with. And I'm hoping to see him get some extra opportunities this weekend.
0: Yeah, me too. And uh, as I said, we may not be very good, but Texas A&M isn't very good either. <laughs> so let's get into my notes, man. Some of these statistics I pulled up here, and I'll go with Texas A&M passing the football. Connor Weidman, uh, a guy that's they finally decided <laughs> wanted to make a starter here for Texas A&M since they've been struggling all year. Last week against Ole Miss, he was 28 for 44 for 338 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's pretty impressive. Uh, so far this year, he's thrown for 429 yards, 61% completion rating, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. You know, A&M, they've had all three quarterbacks. They've played this year. Their quarterbacks have been sacked a total of 18 times <laughs> combined. They've thrown for 1,887 yards. You know, maybe they've had quarterback issues this, this year, but Wyman, he's shown pretty good statistics so far. But, uh, man, if you go down like Texas a and statistics just in the SEC – they're 14th in scoring, averaging 23 points per game, 12th in rushing, averaging 124 yards per game, 12th in passing offense with a rating of 128.0, and 11th in total offense at 360 yards per game. <laughs> so with all that being said, our SEC defensive numbers could probably match right up with their offensive numbers. So <laughs> it's 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 weakness for weakness here. How do you see this pretty bad a offense matching up against Florida's defense who gives up a ton of yards this game, but uh, seems to find a way to cause some turnovers? What you think? What you got, Brandon?
1: Yeah, I think my biggest concern is that uh, I was recording with Joey Ikes, the Locked on Aggies host, yeah. uh, earlier today. And he brought up a very interesting thing to me that I did not know about Connor Wegman, which is that in high school, his senior season, Connor Wegman ran for two thousand yards wow um, which <laughs> terrifies me that he might have a lot of fun against this florida gators defense um so that is terrifying um their rushing attack not as explosive as florida but about as consistent in terms of picking up consistent yardage uh, again not as explosive which is great for us because you know florida not great, Bob. Um, that's, that's just not that's not what they do. Uh, so it's interesting to see how it's going to match up. I would imagine also this week you're going to see some of those, uh, we'll, we'll say sim pressures that Patrick Tony loves. You'll see sim pressures. You'll see some blitzes because you have such an inexperienced quarterback. And even if you're someone with, we'll say, as much playing experience as Stetson Bennett has and as much talent around him as Stetson Bennett has, when you're blitzed and you're pressured, it's different playing quarterback. So when you take someone who has little to no experience and you're sending a whole bunch of different looks at him and a whole bunch of different coverages on the back end and you're sending just, just so much that requires your mental processing to speed up a little bit, I'm, I'm curious to see what the approach is because I think that would make it really difficult for him to find any success.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, as as you said, <laughs> these three quarterbacks have all had a chance to, to lead the team, obviously. So you know Wegman out there only has like a game of experience. Obviously, the most experienced quarterback would be Richardson. He hasn't played the best so far this year either, but he does have more experience over that quarterback. So the experience factor works out here, but... A&M still even with all the guys that are you know suspended leaving they still have a lot more talent than what florida does and that's a bad thing brandon that's a really bad thing so we all know about the whole recruiting thing and dan Mullen. so we won't get into any of that but we'll let's get into some of these uh rushing statistics that i pulled up here uh their main rusher devon i don't know if it's achney ach achain uh i think it's achain uh, uh, yeah devon Achane. he's rushed for 700 63 yards so far this year but it's on 142 attempts so they've been trying to run the football out people's throats but he still averages 5.4 yards per carry four touchdowns he's fumbled the ball one time Haynes King Max Johnson they're the second and third leading rushers on this team so that should tell you something right there <laughs> so uh if it's bad it's bad so uh but that doesn't mean anything compared to how this Florida Gators defense they played so far this year especially in rushing defense, allowing 204.9 rushing yards per game, which is 116th in the nation and 12th in the SEC in total rushing defense. But got some good news here, Brandon. On the other hand, Texas A&M, they're allowing 220 per game, which is ranked 125th in the nation. So if you didn't think Florida's rushing defense could get any worse, yes, it gets worse. Texas A&M, surprisingly. With all that being said, It bodes well for Florida rushing-wise, but it's the same story for Texas A&M, right? Are we going to get like 600 rushing yards this game between both teams? I was going
1: to say, I think we're going to see either a really quick game because of all of the runs or a really long game because of all the long runs that (laughs) result in touchdowns. Uh, I think we're going to see either one of those options are going to happen. But I think that, I don't know, I'm torn because I know that Texas A&M's passing defense is better than Florida's. And I'm like, well, then they're going to be able to run the ball and throw the ball on Florida, whereas Florida's kind of just going to be able to run the ball consistently. Um, but I will say also, like, I think that this is one of the very few games where Anthony Richardson has the experience advantage, uh, which is just so weird to say, considering it's what, nine starts in his career, yeah. which is, yeah, that, that's very few starts. but um, But he's got the experience advantage there. I think that Texas A&M is just – I I said this earlier when I was with Joey Ikes. I was like, look, no disrespect to Texas A&M. I don't think they're a good football team. I think that their offense is going to be worse than Florida's offense, even if their defense is better than Florida's defense. I think that Florida's offense will still be able to take advantage better than Texas A&M will be able to. Part of that is having a, a, a very inexperienced quarterback for Texas A&M where – He's probably going to struggle a bit. I get it. You're at Kyle Field. Guess what? Kyle Field isn't scary anymore. I, like, like it, it's not scary this year. It's just not. You lost to App State on that field. You're not scary anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things where I'm I'm not scared of Texas. Them. I think Florida will win this game. I think Florida should win this game. And this is one of those games where I don't care what what the betting lines say. Um, if Florida doesn't win this game, I will consider that a massive L.
0: Yeah, and guess what, Brandon? When they played App State, they had more of the players on their team at that point too. So think about that. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's not be worse than App State, guys. <laughs> let's not do that. So, uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine
1: if if Billy coming from the Sun Belt loses Texas A and M when a Sun Belt team beat Texas A and M, the absolute meltdown Gators fans will have.
0: Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Don't say that if that happens. By the way. The the Gator fans on Twitter are already having a meltdown already. We don't don't need to bring that up either. I I, I might, though. I might, though. But uh, let's hope I don't have to bring that up. (laughs) Let's go on to uh, Texas A&M receiving-wise. They've had a total of 1,887 total receiving yards. They catch about 65% of their receptions as a team, led by, you guessed it, a guy that we wanted last year. Evan Stewart averaging 12.4 yards per reception for 472 yards, two touchdowns with 103 yards after the catch. Now they got a second guy, Moose Muhammad. I like that name, Moose Muhammad. (laughs) He is the third third and second on the team in reception yardage with 348, averages 15.1 yards per reception for three touchdowns, has a total of 129 yards after the catch as well. Those are the two main receivers that they like to go to a lot. Uh, Texas may, you know, may you know have faced off against Florida, and they've beaten them every single time they've been on Kyle Field. Uh, but this is a two tandem receiver we're going to have to worry about, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think that you have to worry about the talent at receiver, but same time, someone's got to get him the ball, and and if you can get in the backfield and disrupt that, that that'd be my approach, honestly. Like I think this week you should see even more press man than you saw against Georgia. I think that you should kind of just say, hey, like we're going to get in your face and we're going to cause those receivers' timing to just get a little screwed up and hopefully by the time they even find space, there's someone in the backfield hitting your quarterback. Because Coach Vass is someone that – I love Coach Vass. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's a fantastic scheme guy. He has a saying that I love and I hope that Florida will break it out this week, which is the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes. And that, that is what I want Florida to do to Texas A&M this week. I want you to make them cry. And I don't want to worry about the receivers on the outside because I think that you should just be incredibly ingress- aggressive. This is a Texas A&M team that they're going to want to run the ball. Even yep. when they do want to throw the ball, they don't really want to throw the ball. They just want to make you have to defend the pass and they and they want to still run the ball. So I think if you could play that press man on the outside and then you could just disrupt this offense, the timing a little bit, I think that you make everything significantly easier on the defense side of the ball here
0: yeah absolutely and, and it's not like their uh I mean, their defense I would say backfield wise is pretty okay I mean they're not giving up a lot of passing yards 181 as you said but we we were discussing this before the podcast Brandon. um you know if you're rushing for a lot of yardage <laughs> like every game uh your your pass defense is probably going to be you know, looking pretty good if every team is running the football down your throat, and they just—they're just, just going to keep running the football on you. So nobody, no team is really going to pass against you. But they are giving up an average of 181.4 passing yards per game per team and I know other sites have them differently, and they—they they calculate them differently, and it actually places 11th in the nation in pass defense. So that's something to look out for there. Uh, they've given up a total of 18 sacks, as I said, as a team. 11 of those sacks, though, came from their offensive line. They have a total of 94 missed tackles for the year, whereas Florida has 88. So Florida's got a little bit of an upper hand there on missed tackles-wise. They're about even, I would say. I don't think six generally separates one team from the other here. They also have given up 1,360 yards in total coverage for the year, Now, with a quarterback that struggles to throw the football, like Anthony Richardson, he does, we all know it, he he always pulls an explosive out there, (laughs) no matter what, whether it's an explosive run or an explosive pass every game, or it's at least two. What does Florida need to do to not be one-dimensional in this game?
1: I think it starts with, and I I feel so bad because I feel like a broken record when I say this every week, but I think that Florida should really look at the long game here. If Justin Shorter's out and you have Ricky Pearsall out there, or Jaquavian Frazier, like in the spring game, Jaquavian Frazier was making contested catches consistently, yep. and I think that's an important indicator here as well. But I think whether it's Ricky Pearsall, Xavier Henderson, Jaquavian Frazier's, whoever you have out there, I think you throw the ball deep down the sideline, and and you make Texas A&M defend like you you joke where it's like, well, Texas A&M pass the defense looks good because. Their run defense is so bad, so you don't have to throw the ball on them. I think that one of the reasons their passing defense looks so good is partially that, and when teams throw the ball, they have not tested them that deep downfield. You have Anthony Richardson, who's got one of the strongest arms on the planet. I don't care what league, conference, division level you're looking at. One of the strongest arms on the planet. Let him throw that ball up, and not like the weird – punt throw he threw in the Georgia game where he just kind of lobbed it up (laughs) into the end zone. Let him actually challenge vertically here down the sideline, which against Georgia, we saw him throw, I think it was 12 passes, 20 plus yards downfield, which might've been more than we've seen him throw 20 plus yards downfield the entire season prior to Georgia combined. He has not tested vertically the LSU game 51 yard touchdown first drive didn't attempt a single pass 20 plus yards downfield. I think when you see Texas A&M, you go, okay, their defensive front, whether it's rushing the passer or stuffing the run, has not been good. Part of that is because they are so young. But challenge them vertically because you feel like you're going to have some decent time in the backfield. Challenge them vertically. Let the routes develop deep downfield. and, And throw that ball deep and make them respect you there. Because And this is something that I've said a lot where I don't care if it works. It genuinely means nothing to me. If throwing the ball deep works, what matters is that one, you just don't turn it over. Like just don't throw a pick down there. And two, you make them defend every blade of grass. And I think that's an important part that often gets overlooked and would really even open up the rushing game because then you've got DBs playing off. You can't stuff the box and you really have to make them earn and you really have to make them defend every single thing that you might do. So you know, you're you're in nothing to lose mode. Throw it deep. Play more aggressive than you've ever played. If you're Billy Napier, Anthony Richardson, and the rest of the Florida Gators,
0: yeah. And just looking back at some of the games that they've had, uh, Mississippi State had really good success against Texas A&M through the air. Will Rogers, thirty-one for forty-five for three twenty-nine and three touchdowns, zero picks. So um, it can be done. It can be done. So. You know, going back and looking at the Georgia game, and I know we recapped it, uh, there was a lot of open receivers back there. I mean, Richardson either didn't hit him. Well, sometimes he hit him. Xavier Henderson caught that pass, 78 yards. Uh, But that one to Burke up the seam, that could have been a touchdown. Had a lot of green grass. We don't know how that would have shaken out. Looked like a touchdown. Misses him, overthrows him. Uh, a lot of other guys open. If you go back and you look at film, I know the the Gator Nation podcast, I think it's called Gator nice. Nation. So they do a lot of good film breakdowns, so I've been watching a lot of their stuff. A lot of open receivers. So if we can do that against one of the top defenses in the nation, we can do it against Texas A&M. Anthony Richards has got to see those guys, hit those guys in the stride, and I, I mean, I think to be honest, and, and just my general thoughts, and me thinking of, and just watching some of the Texas A&M film and all that. And it's not me being a homer or orange and blue glasses. I mean, Florida could probably easily win this game. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think Florida should win this game. Like I, I genuinely think Florida is the better team than Texas A&M. I don't think Florida's a good team, but I think that Florida is a better team than they've given credit for, and then they've given than they've been given respect for, especially when you look at. Their four losses, three of the four were incredibly close, two plays yep. away from being seven and one. And there were two plays in each of those games away from being seven and one. You look at the four losses; they lost to number one, number three, number ten, and a team that just fell out of the top twenty-five in Kentucky, and they beat number uh, thirteen or fourteen, whichever one Utah is. It, it's in that range. Fourteen. Um, yeah. And and there you're looking at it. It's like this is a team that has lost to some very good teams yeah close games though to those very good teams and that's something that i think is being overlooked where you can point it out and say yeah but look at the south florida game where florida should have manhandled them and barely walked away with a win you could say that too but i think it's more indicative of the entire season to look at the four losses and the four wins and go florida kind of finds a way to get it done when they need to and I think this is just shaping up to be the game that Florida should win. You're, you're facing a team that wants to run the ball well and doesn't play good run defense. And when you look at Florida's losses, it's mainly been because those other teams can defend the run well. And, and that, that caused a lot of issues. That's not going to be an issue this week. And that alone makes me say Florida should win, let alone that I'm just not impressed with what Texas A&M has done this year.
0: Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you, especially with them starting a quarterback that's only played one game. And I know he did good. He did well. And I'm not taking that away from him because he could be just the guy. We don't know. We've only seen one game of sample size. Uh, But when I look at it, too, and, and just... Breaking down film, even looking at statistics, I never thought somebody could be worse in rush defense than us, and apparently I found them today when I was looking at everything. Yeah. So. I mean, there's there's two, there's two. We talk
1: about Texas A and M, we talk trash, but Auburn's way back there in terms of just even like yards per carry. Auburn's getting smoked out there.
0: Yeah, it's it's bad. It, it's a bad world out there. I'll tell you this, though. Uh, just looking at the rest of the schedule, I I mean, every game on it is winnable to me. I know Florida State got a little bit better. I mean, I, I still think that game is winnable. Vanderbilt, winnable. South Carolina, let's hope that's winner, uh, winnable because they're just <laughs> awful right now. And Texas A&M, same way. Uh, I mean, it's just they got the, they got more talent, but I just think Florida can just, even with what we have out. I just think Florida can just win the football game. So what's your final score prediction?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be 31-24. Man, that's
0: exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah, That's that's insane.
1: I I think 31-24 is is the range that we're looking for. I think both teams are obviously going to have some success on the ground. Uh, I think we're going to see at least one Devin uh, A-Chain long play. That dude is an elite athlete. Like, like, He is an elite athlete, so I'm like, okay – He's going to have at least one play where he gets out in space. I don't know if it's going to be a, a run or if it's going to be one of those times where you see, we've got an inexperienced quarterback. Let's run a little running back swing, which by the way, Billy, take notes. We um, yeah. should probably do that at some point. Um, but I don't know if you're going to see that from Texas A&M or just say, hey, get the ball to this playmaker in space and let him make a play where he doesn't have to be shifty. He can literally outrun. I think every defender on roster, let alone on the starting rotation for the Florida Gators. So it's just a matter of getting him the ball. He's going to have probably a big play here and there, but Florida should win this game by a touchdown.
0: Yeah. It, it's funny because I literally have it typed out on my screen 31 to 24 prediction. We, me and you think alike, Brandon. It's <laughs> like, that's okay. insane. That's either sure a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, you need to play the lottery, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm about
1: to. I'm about to just put everything I have in a uh, bet online on Florida to win 3124 <laughs> and
0: see what happens. There you go. There you go, man. All right, man. Uh, you know, a little Texas A&M Florida preview here. Uh, I want to go ahead and uh, hit on this situation because I said we were going to hit on Cormani McLean here. I know a lot of fans are upset. I was upset. Everybody I knew, and and I know you too, Brandon. Everybody, had <laughs> Cormani McLean penciled into Florida. It was like a definite. That was the biggest blow I think I've seen in over a decade recruiting-wise. Cormani uh, McLean goes to Miami over Florida, not even Alabama. If Alabama would have pulled him away, it still would have sucked, but I would have understood that. But it's Miami out of all schools. Uh, we all know how NIL it's changed the game here, and uh, you know how how teams operate and how they do things. Uh, like a thief in the night, though. Um, I can't even really say Miami strikes again. Cause basically it's just Ruiz, but Ruiz Miami, they strike again, Brandon. Uh, what's your thoughts, man? Uh,
1: I think I'm one of the few ish Gators fans. And I'm just like, it happens. You know, I'm not going to be mad at Miami for taking advantage of what they are well within their rights to take advantage of. There's, there's no rules or regulations really. It's the wild, wild West right now with recruiting and NIL. Um, so I'm not going to be mad at them at all. Uh, that's, you know, I hate them, but good for them, I guess, if, if that's what they're going to do. I do think that Florida needs a win on the recruiting trail right now. Uh, I get it. Flipping Karen, was great, but losing Cormani McLean perception wise is really, really rough for the Florida Gators. And that, that's, that's what bothers me more that it's, on the field, you're not going to notice that loss as much. Just because you've got seven DBs committed right now, like odds are you're going to get some success from them. But I think it's okay to be like, well, perceptionally, that really sucked to miss out on Kormani. Um, and it sucked to lose him to Miami. And I know that Miami fans demolished me on social media the next day because the day that Cormani was committing, I put out a little preview with our uh, with the director of, sport, of college football recruiting, John Garcia from Sports Illustrated. And I said, hey, John, so Kormani's committing. It's commitment day. And the battle is down to the Florida graders, the Miami Hurricanes, the Miami Hurricanes, and the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Miami fans took that little Miami Hurricanes thing and ran with it. I got sent a video that was 11 minutes long and eight of the minutes was just this dude roasting me. For doing air quotes um so <laughs> i know it hurt me personally for that reason that's why i was upset about it but i will also say way too many gators fans getting way too personal with the fact that this child picked a different school for whatever reason
0: yeah. Um, hey, if, if you want to pick a school <laughs> that offers more or whatever, and you want to buy your mom a Hellcat, hey, I'm not going to say no to a Hellcat if you want to buy me one. So <laughs> if you're listening, Cormani, you want to give me one, go ahead. Just uh, ring me up on my phone. You can buy me one, too. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, it's, it's a thing where, you know. Florida that that was going to be one of their highest touted recruits since I think Vernon Hargrave's a cornerback. Correct me if I'm wrong. So it was a big thing. Like a lot of Florida Gator fans wanted that commitment to happen. Uh, It was in the bag, quote unquote, through a lot of people I talked to 24 seven released a video (laughs) pre-recorded of Cormani committing to Florida. So, you know, Steve Wiltfong, all those other guys thought it was happening too. Uh, That's a shocker, man. So this is what I tell everybody. Look, no matter how much a recruit is wrapped up and quote unquote in the bag, not in the NIL era anymore. And that just proved it right there. So, um, any of you guys that say so and so's coming here, that, the other, or you hear a rumor, it don't mean anything. You always just got to wait till they commit. And shoot, you don't even know. Even if they commit, they could go elsewhere too. So
1: Once pen, once pen hits paper, you could talk all the trash you want. But until then, zip it because. Uh, I, I get the feeling, and I think most people that cover the Florida Gators get the feeling that uh might be pretty interesting on early signing day if Florida doesn't decide to match the bag that uh, that is going to be thrown at some people.
0: Yeah, that's another thing too, man. Um, you notice a lot more flips on early signing day and national signing day, a lot more surprises too. So with this NIL, and, and I say this, and I try to tell every Florida Gator fan this that gets upset, and I know it's like the unknown – really sucks, so that's what makes you impatient because you're just like, wow, we just lost out and you don't know what's going to happen within the next month, but that's the good part about it. (laughs) You don't know what's going to happen within the next month, so I always try to tell people just to be patient, see what happens. Maybe some of those Miami guys flip to Florida. Maybe some of those Miami guys flip somewhere else. If if whatever, you you don't know. Maybe Florida guys leave ours. Hopefully not. Hopefully they don't leave us, (laughs) but you just don't know in the NIL era so, I wouldn't sit there and dwell on it too much. But at the same time, I wouldn't try to like guarantee that anybody's going to flip from Miami to Florida or anything like that either because you just don't know. So, the unknown sucks, but the unknown is also a good thing too because you can look at that and say, well, I mean, from November to December, we've got ESD. I call it ESD, it's early signing day. But then you've got national signing day where like maybe a 10% of the commits wait till national signing day too. So, if there's a guy, especially that's, that's, you know, committed elsewhere that Florida was in the the running for and they don't sign early, that's a good sign too. So you just got to you gotta just weigh out your options here. And the, the crappy part is being patient, and I get that because I'm impatient too. Um, but we'll just have to see what happens early signing day. I wouldn't put my head down just yet. And at the same time, portal season starts too, and you don't know who you're pulling out of there too. Florida has a number eight class. Cool, you didn't get top five, but if you pull some elites in the portal – and you go to the overall rankings maybe it's not that bad either so we'll just have to see man that's some uh food for thought maybe some good news for you florida gator fans out there that are pretty depressed brandon last one man new president ben, is it ben sass or ben sassy i i hope it's sassy
1: uh i think that'd be really fun just just because you know why not rowdy reptiles sassy sassy yeah. president here <laughs> yeah. uh, so it'd, it'd be really fun but uh I, I'm excited for it. I don't, I I will say this. I don't care about his politics. I don't know what they are, also. <laughs> That's also my thing. It's like, I don't even know because I, I care that little. Uh, all I know about him is athletics are pretty much king. I know he's been like, oh, yeah, it's not the number one priority, but we know. We know. Don't worry. We, we know it, it's number one um, where football is going to get money which is important uh basketball is going to get money which is important like athletics are going to get a higher priority and sure if you're a student that might suck i'm not a student <laughs> like i'm I'm trying to see the athletics thrive so i'm cool with it
0: yeah i'm kind of the same way man um i always I always try to just treat everybody's thoughts with respect. Like, uh, if you think a certain way, that's cool. I didn't grow up in your shoes. I have nothing to do with it. At the same time, I want to see Florida football get better. So I'm happy for the hire. I know some people may not be. And if you listen to this podcast or you listen to anything else, say, you know what? I'm there with you if you're upset. I'm there with you if you're happy. So uh, I I don't want to take any flack online for that. All I care about is us getting a president that likes football. So uh, and that's all he's going to be in charge of anyway. He ain't going to be running for mayor, governor or anything like that. So it shouldn't even really matter in the first place. But you know how the Internet is. So um, you just have to deal with it, man, Uh, as I said. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the new president, uh, as I said. A lot of great things hopefully coming in the future, hopefully in the month here, Brandon. And uh, I don't know if you want to, Brandon. I usually do fan comments at the end of this podcast. If you want to answer them with me, uh, just a little bit, maybe three or so, I usually choose a select few. If not, I can do it after the podcast. It doesn't matter to me.
1: Let's do it. Brandon says,
0: bring it on. So, okay. I do this every week. So, I posted lots of news since last podcast. Cormani to Miami. Cox dismissed. Florida fights but comes up short against Georgia and much more. What are your thoughts? You know the drill. So I'll just randomly pick Bravo Dave. He's a he's an avid listener. He says, I trust Napier and the staff. Goals are what they were at the beginning of the season. Make a bowl game. Keep this recruiting class together. Flip the culture and roster. All very attainable and may be more attainable now than earlier. You agree with that one?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I will say that. I know their goal before the season was lofty but th- their their goal at least internally was win every game as, as it should be with everybody right. but realistic expectations I think Florida is right where they're at I think a lot of Gators fans had unrealistic expectations um especially after beating Utah you know where where Shannon Snell even said you know beating Utah was probably the worst good thing you could have done because it was your first game and then it set the expectation that holy crap like Florida might be legit top 10 team um but yeah i I think that everything is kind of going as it should have gone it's kind of going as it's expected hoping for a strong finish and billy napier even said i think it it was monday's press conference where he was like hey we want to make a bowl game more than anything because we get 15 extra practices out of it and that's pretty important for us to kind of go through this evaluation process and development
0: yeah uh i agree um uh, that's you kind of just took the words out of my mouth, man, because it's the same thing. Like, Snell's right. I mean, you beat Utah at the beginning of the year, so the expectations are already high. Me, personally, when we beat Utah, I was like, okay, well, let's see if we can keep that momentum going. Kentucky happens, and it's just like, okay, okay. Well, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were, and uh, I did predict eight and four. So if we win the next four games, we will be eight and four. But I don't think I predicted the uh, the course of losses and wins the same way. But at least the record will still be right. But um, yeah, it's just I expected it anyway. I expected us not to go to a playoff or anything like that this year. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that Billy Napier has to fix in the program. A lot of guys that. Obviously, we know about that some of them are leaving. We don't know if more are going to leave. We, we will find out here in the future. But uh, it, it's it's actually a good thing. You, I mean, you, you really want Billy Napier's guys in there. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, month of recruiting and uh, transfer portal. We don't know what will happen there. This one's from Drake Castadina. Not to mention... Um, a certain guy speaking his absurdities in the press room on the job as a coach, <laughs> he's being paid to cover the Florida Gators. I won't mention that name on this podcast, but we all know who we're talking about. That was uh, kind of weird. Kind of weird there. <laughs> uh, Jason says this staff and team needs to make it a November to remember. Yes, I agree with that one. Right, Brandon? Yeah,
1: that has to be. It has to be. Yeah, it has it to has be. To be.
0: Let's see. Uh, I'll go Christopher Dyer. He's one of my other avid listeners. He says, I just want to see us close out this season. Uh, I guess he said string here, both in the gridiron and in recruiting, and I believe we can do it. Three and one at worst in a top eight recruiting class with dudes we need at the most glaringly obvious positions will make me feel happy that we had a very successful season. Yeah. I mean, like, if you look at the defensive lineman that's coming in, position to need, corners, position to need, so the staff's recruiting for what they need. And these aren't exactly just slouches. These are guys that are like top 150 guys, top 200 guys. Uh, definitely, I mean, Kelby Collins is top 100. few top 100s, Aiden Mazzell, Eugene Wilson. Those are elite receivers right there. Uh, I do want to see if we can pull another elite or so down the line. Hopefully a top 50, maybe a five-star guy. We don't know, man. Hey, it's it's, it's flipping season. It's it's unexpected season because of NIL. I'd like to see more elites, but at the same time, get the positions in need taken care of if you need somebody to be an immediate starter you can hit that in the portal take care of business and uh move on just move on to 2023 so that that's that's what i think about it what about you brandon
1: yeah i'm kind of in the same boat um and i also think it's important that people know this part where it's like i know someone who used to work on the louisiana stuff with billy napier and they were telling me about how when billy napier puts out his scouting reports on high school players that he wants to recruit um most coaches put like two or three sentences billy writes like entire scouting reports on these kids so i think it's also important to just go even if the rankings aren't where we want them to be billy's doing like due diligence his staff is doing their due diligence they're finding kids that fit what they want to do and i think that's an important thing i think that you need to add at least another o-lineman I would very much appreciate another linebacker. But if you want to get that in the portal, go ahead. Um, I'm cool with portal players. That's fine with me. Um, but I, I think it's also about just just trusting that they make these decisions. But perceptionally, it's not great for Florida on the national perception where it seems like Miami's just winning all these battles.
0: Yeah, that, I think that's the bad part is like mainly the perception part more than anything. Um, and if you look at it this way, Some of the most of the best players on this team are guys Billy Napier brought over. So if that makes you uh, feel any better about his scouting reports and how he evaluates talent, um, just put another feather in your cap there. Because I I honestly think that you know it's going to take a few years, obviously, but I honestly think once he gets these recruits in, no matter where they're where they're rated we'll see. We'll see how much of a good evaluator he is. We'll see how much of a good recruiter he is in 2024 and the rest of 2023 for the recruiting cycle on those guys. So, you know, I, I'm still excited. I'm still pumped. I'm still giving this coaching staff its chance to, uh, yeah, I don't I don't. I can't even say redeem itself. Just give it this chance to uh, to grow up, shine, blossom like a flower, if that's what you want to say. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I'm pumped. I'm excited. And that'll that'll do it. I read a few little comments there. Uh, Brandon, I know. Uh, thank you for joining me once again on getting swamped. I know me and you kind of been collabing a lot through the season. And uh, I like you and Zach, you guys give the best previews here. So Brandon, man, uh, what you got coming on uh, up for us on locked on Gators.
1: Uh, with locked on Gators. I have John Garcia coming up twice this week to talk 2023 recruiting and then 2024 recruiting. Uh, I got Joey Ikes from lockdown Aggies on the Thursday show to preview Gators Aggies. And also, early next week, John Bostic coming on the show, so that's gonna be fun.
0: Yeah, excited! I'll be watching, man. Uh, as I said, he does this every day. Brandon Olson's like a nighthawk. night hawk. Uh, whatever something happens, or what, it's just it's crazy. Every time I get into my car, I'll see a new Locked On Gators, and then I'm just like, okay, cool. I'll listen to this. So Brandon does a fantastic job. If you haven't heard him, Locked On Gators Network, he does the your team every day that's what it's called so brandon always a pleasure having you on on getting swamped i know you work hard to uh give us the info every single day and uh as i said man just thanks for coming on man
1: no, of course thank you i appreciate it
0: <laughs> big games coming up this saturday florida versus a&m georgia versus tennessee alabama versus lsu texas versus kansas state and miami versus florida state okay Maybe not the last one, but you know what I mean? You can pick any of your favorite players from those games in your lineup from prizepicks.com when you sign up today. But you can also get some extra loot in your wallet when you sign up with promo code SWAMPED as well. Join prizepicks.com with promo code Swampd to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks offers a variety of sports on their platform like MMA, eSports, basketball, baseball, volleyball, soccer, football and many other sports there as well. PrizePix is rated 4.8 stars out of 5 nationwide, and they provide the best customer service that there is out there. So sign up today at PrizePicks.com with promo code SWAP to double your money today up to $100 on your first deposit. prizepix.com, daily fantasy simplified. Getting swamped is also sponsored by Manscaped.com. Fall weather is here, folks, and No Shave November has nothing on what I'm about to give you the scoop on right now. Manscaped.com has all the corners and crevices covered when it comes to the leaves on your trees. When you order your performance package 4.0 today at Manscaped.com? And if you want to save 20% plus get free shipping, your boy David Soderquist has the hookup for you today when you use promo code SWAMP20 on any item from Manscaped.com at checkout. The Performance Package 4.0 has worked out wonders for me down in the nether regions and it can do the same thing for you. You combine that with the Weed Whacker and the Crop Preserver when things get a bit chappy down there and your marbles will feel like golden nuggets once again. So if you need extra ball support, also check out Manscaped.com's anti-chafing boxer briefs as well. Use promo code SWAMP20 today at Manscaped.com to get free shipping and 20% off on all items from the website and make your November be a november for you and your significant other to remember manscaped.com the ultimate best in men's grooming Ready, set. you're listening to getting swamped with david soderquist All right, Brandon Olson from the Locked On Gators Network and the Locked On Gators podcast. You can check him out there on YouTube and every other audio platform that there is out there. But folks, that'll do it. That'll do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. Hopefully, we'll have a good Saturday. Get to enjoy the uh, hopefully a beatdown of Texas A&M. I'd love to have just a good beatdown game and not every game be close, but uh, that'd be good. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get a victory there, and then we'll get to watch Tennessee at Georgia, LSU at Alabama. All the other good games. There's some good games on the schedule for this week. Hopefully, as I said, man, November to December early signing day, we get some good news and not some bad news. But uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. The, the the good part about this coaching staff is they don't have a give-up mentality. They do not give up whatsoever. Example, Roderick Kearney. Could have gave up on him. Could have gave him to Florida State. They flipped him from Florida State. So we'll see what they do down the stretch here towards early signing day. But that'll do it. That will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.